from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. This hour, ufologist Victor Vigiani from Zeeland Communications is in studio. Joining us from Manitoba via Skype is ufologist Grant Cameron. And both will be appearing at the Alien Cosmic Expo. That's happening September 21 and 22. And we'll uh, touch on Grant's upcoming presentation about evidence for portals to other worlds. But we'll also get into something called the Wilson Bombshell Document. Wait till you hear this. It involves a Navy admiral who was denied access to a UFO crash retrieval program. And now a document has confirmed this that has been released online. That conversation in just minutes. In the second hour... The proprietor of Canada's oldest traveling circus sideshow, Carnival Diablo, Scott McClelland, a.k.a. Vlad Eisengrim, will be here with some weird tales, and he'll also tell us about Diablo Manor, which houses many of his strange artifacts, including Waldo, the homicidal dummy. And Scott will be appearing at Occulticon 2019 at the Mythwood Events Campground up in beautiful Gray County. That's happening September 13th, 14th, and 15th. And he'll be performing his amazing paranormal show. I will also be there, and as will Victor Vigiani. And um, I'll tell you more about that in the second hour. Uh, my technical producer is Owen Wolf. My editor and live stream producer is Ryan White. Headline, Bombshell Document Confirms Navy Admiral Was Denied Access to UFO Crash Retrieval Program. This comes from a website, planetxnews.org, and I'll crib here from the, uh, the first paragraph. The transcript of a conversation between a U.S. Navy Vice Admiral and a leading scientist discussing a failed attempt to gain access to a highly classified program involving a crashed ET craft has been recently released online. The conversation took place on October 16, 2002, and involved the retired director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, Vice Admiral Thomas, speaking with Dr. Eric W. Davis, a scientist working on the feasibility of exotic propulsion systems with Earth Tech International, an advanced tech think tank established in Austin, Texas. Here to discuss this and other matters. In studio, Victor Vigiani, the executive director of Zeland Communications and Zeland News Network. Victor's research and analysis of anomalous serial phenomenon spans well over 30 years. His experience involves UFO sightings, report investigation, counseling work with individuals reporting anomalous experiences, presentations, and journalisms, journalism in the field of ET disclosure issues. Victor, welcome. Great to be with you again, my goodness. <laughs> uh, and joining us, as I say, via Skype, uh, Grant Cameron. Grant has been involved in ufology uh, going back to 1975 with personal sightings of an object which locally became known as Charlie Red Star. The sightings occurred in Carmen, Manitoba. In the past few years, Cameron has turned his research interests to the involvement and actions of the President of the United States in the UFO problem. 
He's made 20, over 20 trips to the National Archives and most of the various presidential archives looking for presidential UFO material. Gentlemen, welcome both. Grant, how are you? Just fine, Richard. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate your interest. The presentation I'm going to do, you mentioned portals. I may talk a little bit about portals, but basically I think what I'm going to talk about is the hot subject is uh, documents. They're I'm about to release a book called uh, The Alien Documents, and um, you mentioned the one document that has leaked, so that that seems to be a hot topic, and it's not my favorite thing to talk about, but um, I'll be talking about documents that have leaked and some that are about to be uh, dropped into the field. Okay, and uh, so aliencosmicexpo.com is the website. People can go there September 21 and 22. Just show up for both days, and you'll if you don't catch Grant on the first one, you'll see him on the second one. And Victor, um, do you want to share any more details about the, the expo before we proceed? Well, it's, uh, it's two days, two full days now. Um, it used to be three, but we decided to go with just the two and concentrate our efforts on uh, moving forward with a lot of the stuff that I know Grant's going to be talking about with respect to documents and how the documents can provide a substructure for whatever movement you want to call it, the disclosure movement, whatever you want, whatever appellation you want to give it. But there's just so much documentation out there that it, it seems to me that what's happening in the general media right now is that they're, they're scurrying around trying to look at sightings, and we'll get into the Navy stuff a little bit later, but it's my impression that the documentation that people like Grant uh, susses out of every single square inch of these, uh, of these archives, they're going to be the ones that will tip the scale in favor of people the general public and the media believing that this UFO phenomenon is something, in fact, very, very real, and that the government has been into it for the last 75 years, if not longer. Right. That for skeptics, you know, that's what they want. Show me the data. And, okay, so here it is, documents. What else do you need? Okay, so let's drill down then on Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson a transcript and summary notes of a conversation that took place between these two gentlemen going back to October 16, 2002. And let me just give you a little backstory that I um, I first heard about this. I went down to Washington to interview Dr. Stephen Greer for a TV project. He told me about this Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson. I don't know at that time if he identified him by name, but I remember the conversation and he said that Wilson got wind of this special program involving the retrieval of crashed UFOs. It was in corporate hands. He called them, asked to be read into the program, and was told, sorry, you have no need to know. And they not only they hung up on him, but they blocked him from calling further. So, first of all, Grant or Victor, either one jump in at any point, who came into possession of the transcript and summary notes of this conversation and put it online. Can we divulge that? I can give the details. Um, what happened was uh, there's a source in um, Australia who uh, knew Edgar Mitchell uh, when they were cleaning out the house with Edgar Mitchell's files. And this happens quite often where researchers will get material. Uh, they don't talk about it. They put it in a file. Um, they intend to do something with it someday, and then they die. And the family wasn't really interested in UFOs, and um, so this person offered to take, um, we're not sure how much he's got, up to six boxes of material. Some, a lot of it was books, I think. And a friend of mine by the name of James uh, Rigney, who lives, he's an, uh, an architect in Australia, 
uh, was friends with this guy. Both these guys are aerospace guys. So the first guy who got all this, these six boxes is not a UFO guy. He has no, no real background in UFOs. He just was an aerospace guy and just happened to say, you know, I'll take these, you know, instead of throwing this stuff out, I'll take it. And so James discovers that he has some interesting material. He's shown maybe less than a box of material. He pulls about six inches of documents. He asks, can I photocopy these? He photocopies them. He holds them for about a year. And then last November, uh, we're both at the Starworks USA conference in uh, Laughlin, Nevada, and he gets the idea in the middle of the night just before we're about to leave that he needs to show me this document. He's held it. He's trying to find someone uh, to get this thing public because he's, uh, he's a researcher, but he's not really active uh, and has a business and really didn't want to get involved. So he approaches me. I'm about to go out the door. Um, I really don't want to look at it. I say, send it to me. I, I didn't know what he had because you get approached by a lot of sure. people with all sorts of stuff. And he said, I need 10 minutes of your time. I said, okay, fine. So he pulls out this little iPad and he shows me the first page of this document. And I really haven't really read that much of the document. I read the first page. That's all I really needed to read and part of the second page. And what I noticed on the document immediately was uh, a guy's name who's uh, Oak Shannon. And Oak Shannon, I knew who he was. And nobody in the UFO community would know who this guy was. And it, of course, was headed as Dr. Eric Walker, or Dr. Uh, Eric Davis's notes. So um, I knew that Eric Davis was friends with uh, Oak Shannon. I knew that Oak Shannon was involved in a series of meetings in 1985, uh, which was called the UFO Working Group. If you remember back to the start of it, John, John Alexander starts this group. Uh, there's about 20 people with top-secret SCI clearances. They all get gathered together in a think tank uh, in a skiff in, uh, on the East Coast, and they have a series of meetings. And so uh, Eric Davis, whose notes these are, this is this, this document you're talking about, 15-page document. Uh, these are notes that he made of this conversation with, Dr., uh, with Admiral Tom Wilson. So uh, he had provided me with notes from this meeting in 1985 from Oak Shannon. Now, that's how I knew Oak Shannon was. I knew he was an important guy. I knew he, he was friends with Eric Davis. So when I saw Oak Shannon's name, I realized this was not an ordinary document. Nobody would have uh, pulled this thing. And then the second thing I noticed on there was the fact that um, this, this Admiral Wilson was confirming MJ-12 was real. And MJ-12 is the rumored control group that I have stated since 1989 is for real. There's a lot of phony documents about them, but the actual group exists. So when I saw this, I basically looked up at him and I said, where did you get this from? Because it was the most, and I, I've been to 35 archives around the world looking at different things where there's presidential stuff or people's files who, uh, you know, people who have died and I come go to go see Stanton's files in September. So that's what I, I basically do for entertainment. I go and try to recover stuff. So I said to him, you know, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Like, where do you get this from? And that's when he said, uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell's files. So to give you a background of what happened, and this is, this is I'm pretty sure this is what happened, but what happened was um, a big, Bob Bigelow, who was this billionaire guy in Las Vegas, uh, was a, no, a number of people through the years with high security clearances, with money, uh, have always tried to figure out what the UFO deal was about. And in the late 1990s and the, uh, the first five years of, of the 2000s, uh, Bigelow spent a lot of money in trying to figure out what's going on with the UFO phenomena. He hired, a, brought in a bunch of consultants to 
meetings, which are called the NIDS meetings, so the National In- Institute for Discovery Science. And these people were paid huge money, and they included a lot of people who were known in the 1980s as the Avery. These are high-level military, government, and intelligence people who have run up against the UFO phenomena in their career and really were trying to find out more. It's like they're trying to gather more material, and they sort of interact with all these other people who have high-level clearances. Sometimes they're called the Cosmic Club, the Invisible College. There's all sorts of names for these guys, and they sort of interact with each other. And Bob Bigelow called all these people in. So basically, Edgar Mitchell was one of the people that was on the board of NIDS. So was um, Eric, Eric Davis was the chief physicist for NIDS. Um, uh, Hal Putoff, who's mentioned in the document, was on NIDS. So you have all these high-level uh, scientific intelligence people. Kit Green, who used to run the weird desk of the CIA, uh, a physiologist, was one of the board members. So what happens is um, they're working on a, du- a whole bunch of different projects. Like they're working on the Skinwalker Ranch. They're working on cattle mutilations. They're working on helicopters. Uh, they're working on the Holloman Air Force Base story, and of course they're they're working on the Santelli film, which is the second document that was that that uh, I was was given. But they worked on all these various projects, and of course the 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 one that they had was this uh, Wilson meeting, where in nineteen two th- no two thousand two nineteen ninety six or nineteen ninety seven, Greer goes with Edgar Mitchell and with a guy by the name of Will Miller, uh, Commander Will Miller who was Stephen Greer's military advisor. And um, Will Miller sets up this meeting with uh, Wilson, who's the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So he's the J-2. He's the top intelligence guy in the United States. And they give this briefing. It's supposed to be a stand-up briefing that takes place for 45 minutes. And Wilson keeps calling off meetings and keep going, keep going. And they talk about this kind of stuff. And Wilson realizes that he's one of the one of the projects that Stephen Greer is pointing out is a project that he should be in control of. Let me just uh, just jump in here, Grant. Uh, the, when you're talking about these projects, we're talking about crash retrie- UFO crash retrieval projects, uh, th- th- and tied into this whole you know feasibility study of these advanced propulsion systems. Greer knows about these that are going on, and he's trying to, he's basically briefing, as you say, the top intelligence officer in the United States about these programs. Yeah, and the guy's very interested, and he becomes very upset when he finds out he's been cut out of this, out of the loop on this one project. So that's what happens is Edgar Mitchell was in the meeting. So uh, all the people on NIDS, uh, or the the people who are on the board would all have these meetings. So what happens is Edgar Mitchell has this uh, report that's given by Dr. Uh, uh, Eric Davis. And after that meeting in 1996, um, it's uh, Oak Shannon that sets up the meeting. So he sets up the meeting, and NIDS is reinvestigating this whole deal about uh, him being denied access and stuff. And that's when they have this meeting in 2001, 2002, whenever it is, in at the behind the EG&G building, which is the company that sort of runs Area 51, they're in Las Vegas. That's where um, Eric Davis was was living at the time, and um, he basically sit in the back of a car for 45 minutes, and they basically discuss UFOs, crash saucer stuff, uh, MJ12, all this kind of stuff. And Eric Davis provides this set of notes on this conversation, provides them to Bob Bigelow. Uh, for the NIDS, and they discuss it in the, the NIDS meeting. So that's where the document comes from. It's, it's in Edgar Mitchell's file, and there was a second document that was released, and that was the alien autopsy document, which they had studied the alien autopsy document, 
and uh, that may be for another show, but right. it's a, a very complex document, which I think will end up being verified. They're going to verify the fact that there was film of a being with the Santilli film. Wait a second. The alien autopsy subject was discussed between Dr. Eric Davis from Earth Tech International and Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson. No, that was the second That document. was the second. There's, okay. There's actually two documents that leaked. You're talking about the one, the 15-page document. Right which was Eric Davis's notes in this conversation with the Got Admiral. It. Got it. Then there's a second document, which is 11 pages long, which talks about the Santilli film. This is another document that's a NIDS document. That's a, it's a memo written from Eric Davis to Bob Bigelow, and the discussion is basically about the alien autopsy, and that what happens is that Kit Green, who was the top sort of the UFO guy at the CIA, states he got three briefings. And that in 1987, somewhere in that range, he was shown a film that he said, that is the same alien. I saw that film. So the, the, there's all these uh, emails going back and forth, which is 11 pages of emails that all deals with the Santilli film. So there's this, these two major documents that, that right. leak out, and both are in Edgar Mitchell's files. And then there's a third one that, a lot of the people got into conspiracy theories when these things leaked, because I really didn't say you know, what my involvement was, and people started having all these crazy theories of where they were coming from. So I actually uh, released a third document, which was an email from uh, Bob Bigelow to Edgar Mitchell, basically telling people, this is where you've got to look, this is where these documents are coming from, these are legal documents, they're, and they're not government documents, they're, they're private documents, because... What uh, Bob Bigelow had actually said in an interview in 2013 is that if a company gets the UFO material, it's proprietary, and the company has the right to have the UFO material. So it's his proprietary information, but when it leaks out, well, then it becomes our material. So that's basically what happened is some of the NIDS material leaked when Edgar Mitchell died. Right. Now, just... uh the the document regarding the, uh, the 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 navy admiral who was yeah. denied access and there was some you know talk well is this legitimate isn't it legitimate you said you know obviously you know the the players involved but where is dr eric w davis and and where is the uh, the former vice uh, admiral uh, us navy vice admiral thomas wilson and all this have they spoken about it since um, it's released er- eric davis and uh, richard dolan picked it up that's when it went viral um the the person what what happened was I had the document, and because I had dealt with uh, many of the players in the document, and they told me stuff over the years, I had a very hard time dropping the document. So I talked to a bunch of people, and one of them dropped the document on the internet and gave and dropped a docu- uh, copy to uh, to Richard Dolan. Richard Dolan went public, and that's when the thing went viral. So he contacted. He's good friends with Hal Putoff. Uh, he contacted Hal Putoff. And they had a discussion about this document, and Hell wrote a uh, gave him an official statement on behalf of him and uh, Eric Davis, because Hell put off runs the Institute for Advanced Studies, and his chief scientist is uh, Eric Davis. So ah. uh, they put out an official statement, which was a no comment. He said, um, because we have security clearances, we cannot uh, comment on the validity of the document. And the other person, there's a couple other people that have been contacted. Let me, uh, let me just jump in, Grant, because yep. we've got to take a time out. We'll pick up on that point when we come back. Grant Cameron, Victor Vigiani, as we discuss this bombshell document confirming a Navy admiral was denied access to UFO crash retrieval, uh, a crash retrieval program. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Yeah. 
When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right. Uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo, September 21-22, and it's just a who's who uh, from the world of ufology. Uh, Paula Harris, uh, Paul Hellyer, Travis Walton, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, and Wes Roberts, who will be on this program uh, next month. And who do we have? Oh. Um, U.S. Marine Captain Randy Kramer and Grant Cameron, of course, who joins us uh, on Skype. And he is speaking Sunday, September the 22nd from 1.30 to 2.45. And uh, he joins us along with Victor Vigiani in studio from Zealand News Network. We were talking about this bombshell document confirming a Navy admiral was denied access to UFO crash retrieval programs. Uh, Victor, jump in with a question. Here. Yeah, I, just, I wanted to run something by you, Grant. It's, uh, it seems to me that there's the revelation of all of this is, is one thing, and it, it's obvious that uh, Edgar, was, Edgar Mitchell was involved, and so was Steve Greer, and, and you mentioned uh, you know, Richard Dolan. And once it's reached the, the, the I guess the peak that it's at right now, the point that it's at right now, what does this all really mean in terms of corporate entities having control over the examination of exotic propulsion systems or, or, you know, or crash retrieval programs versus the government doing the same thing? Is it sort of the government in charge to begin with and they dole the stuff out like they did in, in Roswell or is it the other way around that the corporations today have complete control of this stuff and they can go tell anybody, chief of staff or rear admiral, to go fly a kite? Uh, it, once they ask questions, is it what's the chicken or the egg? What's what's going on? Yeah, well, what this has sort of revealed is the fact that um, people are starting to learn that uh, basically the government is contracted out. Everything's contracted. I mean, the food service for the for the military, everything's contracted. The government really doesn't run anything, and that's what people always think the government's running it. And yet, everything that the government does is is contracted out. They're just sort of managing it. On the other hand, all, all the security clearances. Are, uh, go through the executive office of the president. So even if you're in a um, a um, sort of a, an industry type thing or a military industrial complex, you still have to have a security clearance, which goes through the executive office of the president. So you you're supposed to have this sort of a balancing act. And what I would say is that other than the president, anybody can be cut out of the loop because the president is the only one that that has constitutionally access to everything. So you could be, uh, you know, Secretary of Defense or Joint Chiefs of Staff or something, uh, and you could be cut out of the loop. But what this is showing is uh, this is how stuff is controlled, and the, you don't have the problems with uh, secrecy, that FOIA material. In fact, I, I'm doing a, an inter, uh, a, a lecture. It's going to be online. It's going to talk about uh, UFO um, videos. And I'm starting to come into the understanding that UFO videos, uh, none of them are classified. Uh, there and the problem with the classification is once you put something top secret on it, then you have this 25-year rule, and uh, you have people handling this stuff, and it'll eventually make its way out. If you have it in the private industry, then you don't have the FOIA problems, you don't have all that kind of stuff. It's it's like Bigelow talked about; it's proprietary information, and you can basically just run it uh, in total secrecy and out of the view of of Congress and this sort of stuff. So this has sort of opened it up. The problem with the document is, like everything else in ufology, it's like the 24-hour, 24-7 news cycle. 
that UFO community is almost like the the news world in that the story because they make all these new comments. Everybody's nobody's denied it, but everybody's making these no comments, and they know that eventually the story's going to fade away, and everybody's going to go on to UFO sightings or the next video or or something like that. And that's basically uh, the game they're playing: is you just wait everybody out, and the story will fade away. Uh, so it's kind of a sad situation in terms of um, getting the information. Is it's not really in government hands? I don't think it's it's this um, government or this proprietary uh, uh, situation where people who have no real right, uh, no real um, need to, to release it, are, are handling the material. Let me just uh, crib here again from uh, this news story, planetxnews.org, just to give people some context here. So we're talking about this um, Navy Rear Admiral, or Vice Admiral, sorry, uh, Thomas Wilson. He was at, at the time, he was a Rear Admiral, upper class, Deputy Director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, Vice Director for Intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And uh, when he found out about this UFO crash retrieval program from uh, Greer and Mitchell and others, uh, he inquired into the program's existence, and he had to do this through a body created uh, for special access programs. So he uh, he learned it. the program involved a corporate research and development effort involving a retrieved extraterrestrial craft. Uh, but again, when he called and asked to be what they call read in to the program, the person on the other line said, I'm sorry, Rear Admiral, uh, you know, head of defense intelligence for the United States of America. This is none of your business. Click. Yeah. And they say the uh, Greer, I think, at one point stated that um, he had been told that the only reason they have even talked to him at all, uh, he was talking to the lawyers, was they wanted to find out where he'd found it out. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have talked to him at all. And once they found out where he had gotten this, and uh, that's when they sort of shut him off. And that's the whole the whole issue, is that... Um, the only person that might know what it what the deal is is the president of the United States. Uh, everybody else is on a need to know basis. That because your head of intelligence doesn't mean that you're there to run crash retrieval programs. You know, it's, it's but kind doesn't of that, a, yeah, doesn't a bizarre that, thing. And the whole but the whole government is run that way. Okay. I mean, the vast majority of the of the government is contracted out, and it, it falls under the same rules. But doesn't it call to, into into question everything that the that the cabinet would do or be saying? They, they're sitting around, uh, you know, in the in the room with all of these uh, the admirals and all the people, the defense people, the secretaries of defense, and everything, and they're all sitting around this table. And are they twiddling their thumbs with this stuff, and knowing that the corporations have a rap on this? Or do they, or are they afraid to ask questions about it, uh, for fear it might be leaked that they're talking about this in cabinet? Like, who's really in control here, uh, Grant? I mean, it's just a, it's an absolute anomaly and surprise. It's shocking that someone of that position can be hung up on by a corporate entity to say, no, it's none of your business. It just completely baffles me as to how that can happen. Or, or, or I, I understood that he was even demoted. I mean, this is the thing: is that. Um, if you step out of line in in these kind of positions, um, it's you play the game by the rules or you leave. I mean, it's uh, the, the rules have been set up to pr- provide the the sort of the, um, the the security for the program. And yet, when I just saw an email from Robert Collins tonight, and this Eric Davis, the guy who produced these notes, has repeated this, and I've heard this numerous times in all the documents I've seen. Uh, in private collections all seem to indicate the same thing, that yes, we have 
um, crash saucer material, but they have no idea what's going on. They, that's all they really don't. They, they don't. they they're not getting anywhere. And if you heard the story with Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar said the reason is because it's so highly compartmentalized that you that you can't get anywhere. So they've they've got the material. Eric Davis said that they had the material. Uh, in 1989, and they shut the program down because they couldn't get anywhere. They couldn't figure out how these things work, and um, that uh, every seven or eight years they'll revive the program and see if they can figure out something. But the technology is so far ahead of us that it, they, they, they can't figure out anything. So then we have this uh, this advanced aerial threat identification program. Uh, so there we've got one part of the Pentagon running around trying to figure out what are these things, how much of a threat do they, they pose. Meanwhile, we have in the, in cor- in the corporate world, they have the, ma- the crash material. Did, does one not know what the other is doing? Yeah, exactly. The only people, that's the thing, if, if MJ-12 is real, and I believe they were real, these are the, the control group, the 12 guys or whatever that sort of oversee this, this whole program from 1947 on, they really don't care how many programs are below. So what you what you do is so ATIP. So people always say, well, uh, Lou Elizondo ran the UFO program for the U.S. government. No, he ran a UFO program for the U.S. government. There may be fifty different programs, and all you need, if you're at the top of the, if you're an MJ-12 in this control group, all you need is one person inside one of those programs to feed you the material. You don't need to expose your program. So all these people are running around thinking they're doing um, the, the program, they're doing the investigation. Because if you take a look at the ATIP stuff, they basically just had Navy stuff. That's all they were doing. They, they have no reports from the Air Force. It's all this Navy stuff. And so you have all these different programs, and they don't care. There's a $735 billion defense budget. Who cares if we've got 50 UFO programs, as long as it's all one person at the top is, is gathering the material, and everybody thinks they're running the program, and it's all these various programs all doing their own thing, and that's what's happening, I believe, with ATIP, is that ATIP wants money in the, in the public sector. So uh, uh, Jim Semivan had actually made a statement, you know, don't mess with the money, this idea that they're giving these briefings to, to Senate, and so if you're in the black world, you sort of make a deal, give us some material from the black world, uh, we prove that UFOs exist, then we go into Congress, then we get it as a national security issue, and we get some money in the white world so we can do some research on this to try to sort of expand the uh, the research that's going in there. And we won't expose the black program. And that's how this material is coming out. Is you have these videos that are leaking from the black world to help provide more money. So they don't really care. Another UFO program in the white world, who cares? It'll help us along as long as they don't have control of the whole program. And that's the, that's the weird part of the whole thing is that I, I think clearly there could be dozens of UFO programs in the, in the government and one or two people who understand how they all go together and people just feeding material and you don't even know who you're working for. And I've heard that before in the UFO community that people say, I think I'm working on a UFO program, but I really don't know where it's going or whatever. I just have my little job to do. And that's the way it works. Because I worked at a university. I, I had the keys to the president's office, eight vice president's offices, human resources, payroll, but I didn't know what was going on. I mean, the people think that because you're in the government, you know what's going on. You just do your little job, and it all funnels up to um, one agency up at the top, and you could have 12 guys who know how it works, and Congress is cut out, and they really don't care because um, they, you know, they've got control of it, and um, nobody's going to force their hand because they'll play this national security game, is that the more people you tell, the more it's going to leak, and the more the, the more trouble it is that it's so high in national security 
that we have to keep it from even Congress people. All right, we're going to take a time out, and we will uh, come back more with Grant Cameron talking about this uh, Navy bombshell document, but we can move on to other matters as well. Uh, maybe we can touch on your uh, your upcoming presentation. We'll touch on portals to other worlds. Victor Vigiani stays with us in studio from Zealand News Network. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Don't be afraid. Of- When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, we are back. Uh, Victor Vigiani, you want to weigh in with a, a question? Yeah, here? I just I, I want to run something by Grant. Uh, about three and a half weeks ago, Grant, I had a long conversation with the Public Relations Department of the United States Air Force. Uh-huh. And um, it was about a 25-minute conversation, but I kept on asking the same question over and over again. And I guess the contrast between what the Air Force has on its information page regarding the, the UFO phenomenon not being a, a national security threat, and they, that's all they will say about it. But their counterpart in the Navy has gone out of their way, as you well know, for decades to be sort of the, the kingpin within the military uh, with respect to the UFO issue. And I asked him that question. I said, do you realize what the United States Navy has been putting out by way of videos and, and, and statements in terms of their pilots and allowing pilots to actually give testimony and, and record their findings about what they're seeing in the air? And they say, we know nothing about that. So is this the same sort of contradiction that's occurring between these corporate entities and you know the Defense Department or uh, the D- Defense Intelligence Department? Is, is it the same sort of the left hand does not know what the right hand is doing? And I guess the other question is, is there anybody who really knows what's going on? <laughs> Good question. Well, you're talking to a, a public affairs guy who basically just gets a piece of paper and official statement on this and that. One of the things people have to realize is that when the UFO situation started, there was no Air Force. The Navy ran it. The right. Navy in 1946, early 1947, had all the research money for um, military. And it's the old deal is when, when you get a, a military thing, just because somebody new comes along the block, you're not going to give up your part of the pie. And so from what I've been told, and the Canadians were told this, Wilbur Smith, I asked the Wilbur Smith people who the, ran the Canadian government program in the 1950s, I said, who was Wilbur dealing with in the United States? And they said, the Navy. And um, they told me that the Navy was the key. Uh, uh, Bob Lazar said the Navy was the key. Um, and the whole deal is that the U.S. Air Force may be cut out. It may be the Navy that's running the whole, the whole program, and they've been running it since 1946. And it's, it's, they, they like that because everybody thinks it's going to be an Air Force project. And uh, I heard it was, it was Navy. So, yeah, you may have the Air Force completely cut out. I would say Navy. And the other thing I was told definitely was defense intelligence is part so you would think it's individual agencies like Air Force, whatever, but they just send their material up. The job of the Air Force is to protect the airspace, and the job of defense intelligence is to gather material that's of defense interest. And the CIA, I believe, is there to manipulate the material and to make the disclosures. And you've got to keep that in mind, is that they are disclosing. I don't care what anybody is saying. 
They are doing a slow leak. I've said this since 1989. Now more people are coming on board to agree with me that, yes, they are doing a slow leak. They're releasing this material. So they're not, because if they wanted to cover up, they would just shut up like the Canadians and not talk about it, and you wouldn't know what's going mm-hmm. on. And if they wanted to reveal it, they would stand the president up and tell you what's going on. So they're not doing a cover-up or disclosure. They're doing something in between. They're doing this sort of a gradual, fictionalize the whole thing, put it in Hollywood, uh, and, and play it out that way. And what I'm trying to do as much as I can is do a nonfiction disclosure where if I get documents like I got these three documents, you just put them out and say, here's the documents, read the documents and make, make up your own mind as to what's going on and just make sure the documents are legitimate. So, uh, yeah, the Air Force may be cut out. Um, you, you see over and over again that they really don't play that part uh, big a role. Uh, I think the, um, you're going to have Navy, uh, Navy and Defense Intelligence and some aspects of the Air Force may be involved in something, but um, that's what you see with the ATIP thing. Grant, how, these three documents that you mentioned, we've been talking about the, the Navy Admiral who has yeah. declined access to this program, but you mentioned the alien autopsy. What are the odds that they, these three documents or one of these three documents could get the New York Times treatment, and how big no. would that be? No. Uh, they, they've, they've, they've been um, sort of approached. There was ABC, New, ABC Australia actually did a major story. They did a clear piece. Uh, they apparently talked to Wilson. Uh, they talked to Dolan. They talked to James Rigney, who had released it. They spent a lot of time on it. The, the thing was ready to go. And then at the very last minute, um, I was told it was killed at a very high level. And they said, we cannot verify it. And they killed the story. So you, this is a major uh, agency that was, was going to do the document. Uh, the problem with the New York Times and all these sort of things, it's not that they're, um, they're bad reporters, it's the fact that the reporters I've dealt with, it's always the same thing, is like it's a 24-7 news cycle, so unless it's like the Watergate, you're not going to put reporters on this thing. Uh, you know, I know that the it's a very steep learning curve, the UFO thing. You can't just walk into the UFO thing and figure it out in, in 24 hours. And the reporter will do one story, and tomorrow he's going to do a story on dogs, and the day after he's going to do a story on this. And he's got all these different things, and you really don't have anybody in the, in the news uh, loop that has been given the time to uh, absorb all this stuff, put it all together, and write. That, it's this 24-hour news cycle. Got it. I think that's Grant, i gotta, I got a break here. Uh, yep. Maybe, you know, but certain people have access to the New York Times. Leslie Kane, maybe. Uh, I don't know. But... Um, Boy, oh boy, this could be even bigger than the ATIP story, I think, if it got out. All right, one final segment with uh, Grant Cameron, Victor Vigiani in studio, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. A few minutes remain with Grant Cameron on the line from Manitoba, renowned ufologist and uh, Victor Vigiani in studio from Zealand News Network. Uh, Victor was uh, talking about his conversation with this PR person from uh, the Air Force, and the Air Force's official position, Victor, is that they do not pose a threat, right? To the national security of the United States, yeah. Right. right. What do you think, Grant? Do UFOs pose a threat? No. That's been every agency. They're going to, they're going to play the threat card. That's, 
Because if you remember back to the Obama administration, Leslie Kane and John Podesta, campaign manager for Hillary, were playing the game then that the reason we need money to investigate UFOs is a, is a threat to commercial airlines. And I guess everybody in Congress just laughed at them. So they're going to play the threat card. They're going to say, you know, this is a national security issue. Uh, we need $50 billion. And first they're going to prove that it's for real. So you, you, you're making this move, and you've actually got some moves. I think they're going to get the money. Uh, you mentioned the, the media. You're not looking at the New York Times. You're looking at uh, Tucker Carlson from Fox has, has caught this wind of this whole thing. He's very interested. He's asked Donald Trump about it twice, and then he asked the head of intelligence for the Senate, uh, Warner, uh, because uh, Lou Elizondo went on Fox, and he said, we have crash saucer material, and Eric Davis, minutes later, uh, said, and he's the one that wrote the notes, he said, 1,000% true. Uh, so they made this statement, and, fought, and of course, uh, Carlson asked uh, the head of intelligence for the Senate, uh, is this true? Do we have crash saucer material? And Warner said that's one of the four questions we're trying to get answered. So this may be days away from um, you have a, a you know the head of intelligence for the Senate stand up and say we've got crash saucer material. I mean, it could be all game, set, and match. Hasn't hasn't NARCAP uh, been a major player in allowing pilots to come forward anonymously to to do reports uh, without you know threatening their uh, their careers in in the in the uh, airline industry? That to me has been something that I think the Senate needs to hear about because you know I agree with you that UFOs are not a threat, but they do pose a danger in a situation where you've got an airline or flying at you know thirty five thousand feet and you've got an encounter with a craft of uh, unknown origin coming at you um, there may be no bad intentions on either one's part but there is a danger in the sky about this now if the senate gets a hold of something like that i mean how would they play that card well they must have gotten that because that was uh, hillary clinton and podesta and um pope and um um well, who's the other? There's four people working on this whole thing with Leslie Kane. Blumenthal? And they were pushing this thing in the government with the Obama administration, mm-hmm. and it didn't go anywhere. That's where I think they moved, made the move to say, we're going to do something different. They got this whole thing with the Italian helicopter being downed, you know, sent to the ground and stuff like that. And they're, they're playing more the, the, the real fear card uh, because Congress, I mean, you've got to have something for them to hand over the money. They've got to be convinced that this thing's for real. And then you need something where you're going to walk away with a lot of money that you need for research, and they'll play it up. You know, it could be Chinese, it could be Russian. Um, if, we, if we don't figure it out, the Russians are going to figure it out. They're going to play this card of, of fear, whatever, whatever they can get to get the money. That's, that's basically what it comes down to. You know, I'm just thinking someone who is probably the most likely to give this some coverage in mainstream media would be someone like Tucker Carlson. At yeah, Fox he's, News. he's all over it. I mean, he's yeah. really pushing, and he's got a big audience, and he can talk to the president, and uh, this whole thing with the Senate, where uh, I haven't heard what's going to happen, but uh, when you have the head of intelligence uh, for the Senate saying he's got to get an answer whether we got crash saucer material, he's going to face that question again. Did you ask the question, what's the answer? And it's game over. I mean, if, if he confirms that we've actually got a craft and bodies, and that was the whole, what the whole alien autopsy thing is about, is not so much about UFOs, because everybody, the, the ATIPs playing the game, well, you know, it's, we don't know what it is, you know, they're playing this whole stupid game. Uh, you get alien autopsy and you get a body on a table, um, then we start, start understanding what this is actually all about. 
this goes way beyond UFOs. This goes to uh, you know beings and crafts and propulsion systems playing around. And we yeah. don't know what this thing is. Yeah. Do you think that Tucker Carlson is uh, purposely scratching the surface of this issue? Or is he been given a mandate to go as deep as he wants? Uh, I, I find that a, a, a bit of a discrepancy in the way, the way he covers it. He asks really good questions, but it never goes beyond the superficial at, at, at some point as to what it really means in terms of propulsion systems and and potential abductions or alien bodies or whatever. He, he stays with the superficial all the time. Would that be his mandate, or does he... Well, he may be, they may be reining him in from from uh, above but you can see that he's he's got a bug i mean he's uh you very rarely do get a reporter who brings him in. Kimmel used to do that with with his night show, where mm-hmm. everybody that came on, he'd ask him about the UFO thing. Did you ever get briefed? Did you ever look for the documents, this sort of stuff? And I think it's just my impression is he's just very interested in this thing, and he he realizes that if if he breaks his story, it's it's the biggest story of all times, and uh, he's on it. And um, when you can talk to the president of the United States, and you know these his his party is you know he's. He's pro-Republican, and his people are running the, the show. He can ask these questions and realizes that if, if at some point it unravels, I mean, he's the hero of the whole thing. All right. Just to give us a, a bit of a briefing on what you'll be talking about on a Sunday, September 22nd at the Alien Cosmic Expo. Okay, so I'll go a little bit through these two documents I've talked about, and then there's 26 more pages I'm going to release, uh, which are notes from some top-secret People talking in these meetings in 1985. I'm going to release that, and I will talk about the the portal and the uh, port stuff because what happened was uh, the research that's being done at Skinwalker Ranch that everybody's heard about really had nothing to do with UFOs. There were really, really no UFOs there. It was all apportation material, manifestations, portals, this kind of stuff. And this is this whole idea that you can move stuff through walls, uh, you know, um, make stuff appear, reappear. And that was what the ATIPS program basically was, is they were trying to figure out this, this, whole, this whole military aspect of making stuff appear and disappear and going through walls. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I think that's a, a big interest in the government is to try to figure out this whole thing about portals, about moving from one point in space to another, and about being able to make stuff disappear and reappear in other spots. All right. And uh, Victor, you'll be moderating. Tell us, um, are, you, are you moderating a specific panel you'd like to tell us about? Well, actually, the the job that I have is introducing all the speakers and bringing things together and making sure that the clock is working all the time. Excellent. All right. So that's one You're the, the showrunner. Exactly. And uh, when I do do that, I, I get my dibs in every once in a while, as you probably well know that I do. Terrific. Okay, so let me just remind folks, Sunday, September 22nd, from 1.30 to 2.45, uh, Grant Cameron will be uh, speaking. He'll be speaking about these documents, and he'll also uh, touch on new evidence that portals to other worlds exist, the link between consciousness and ET, human contact, and, uh, again, Alien Cosmic Expo, September 21 to the 22nd, Alien Cosmo, aliencosmicexpo.com for tickets and more information. Grant, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate I it. appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, Victor? Mm-hmm. Uh, in summing up, the uh, what do you think the the potential impact of uh, this this Navy Admiral document could be? Well, I know one thing for sure. Um, if Grant Cameron is involved in it, along with the work that he did on the Rockefeller Initiative and the way that went, and I firmly believe to this day that that's one of the most important documents uh, or, or set of files that he's done. This could be the next 
biggest thing that Grant has uncovered. And then whenever a person like Richard Dolan gets a hold of something like this, and when he speaks about it, I'm hoping that he'll address the issue at the, at the Expo uh, coming up in September, that he'll address this. And I think Richard has a way of even defining it in a, in a more political way uh, than Grant might. Uh, and I think it's going to be uh, something that's it's going to be a, a real shock to people to find out that it's gone to this depth at a corporate level and that the United States government really is not in control of this issue at, at all. You mentioned Richard Dolan. We should point out Richard will be following Grant Cameron on Sunday, September the 22nd from 3 to 4.15. Richard will be speaking about uh, uh, U.S. government false flag operations and uh, UFOs, of course. So I'm sure he will touch on the... Uh, these uh, three documents. Grant Cameron, followed by Richard Dolan. How's that for a lineup? All right. Uh, Victor, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. When we come back, Scott McClelland, proprietor of Canada's oldest traveling circus sideshow, Carnival Diablo. He'll be here to tell us about that, the Diablo Manor, and, of course, the Paranormal Show. Stay, at, stay uh, right here on the, uh, on the Conspiracy Show.